Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. He's Blank on Branham. Albert Breer says that the Texans are in the makings of building a powerhouse. Do you agree? Do you disagree? 713-780-3776. Joe, where do you stand on this? I think the answer to me is no, because to be a powerhouse, I think you have to be a team that I'm willing to ride into the AFC Championship game every single year. And until they at least get to one Super Bowl, I don't think they're... And I think they will. But even then... Right now, I don't believe the Texans are consistently going to best the Kansas City Chiefs and Cincinnati Bengals. So while they might be very good, they beat Cincinnati this year. They did with Burrow and on the road. I, the other part of it, where like I think they're going to be a consistently good team going forward. I just think powerhouse is too strong. It's good for a catchy headline, but it's it's too far from that. Like you see the Super Bowl path, but the idea that they're going to be the next Kansas City Chiefs the next New England Patriots, the next San Francisco 49ers even, I think is a stretch at this point still. Yeah, the the Chiefs aspect of it is interesting. Like, the Chiefs haven't been very good, though. Like, the Chiefs keep telling us who they are, I think. And they keep telling us they're not a very good football team. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. 0891, what are the odds the Texans make the playoffs? They they better than 50-50? I think so. They are. Right now? Yeah, I think that they have them better than 50-50, whether it's Vegas, whether it's like the computer odds, whatever. Uh, 7696, it starts with culture. I believe they have the right culture to be a powerhouse. That goes to what we were talking about earlier uh, with you know, basically every team in this city building a very, very strong culture. But I would say the, I would say that the, the Texans are, do have that. I think D'Amico, I think it's D'Amico's one of his best strengths. Uh, good defensive mind, obviously, and I think that he has built a culture in year one is another really good strength for D'Amico Ryan. Oh, absolutely, and I think that Part of building a powerhouse is getting a guy young, still completely motivated and dialed in, that's that's going to give you everything that he's got. Because we know as coaches get older and, and things start to waver a little bit, that, that, that maybe the focus isn't the same, the intensity isn't the same. you got a guy that you, is the absolute right guy for the job, and he's only going to get better. Because we know and we, we, we've been critical, uh, not that we were condemning him or c- killing him in any way, shape, or form, but we, we point out what we see. He's going to get better. He's going to learn from the things that have happened in his first season. But he's got a clear understanding of what he is going to do on a daily basis and what he's going to do in the games. And he's putting together not only just his coaching staff, but the roster that plays his way, that understands his philosophies, that you're going to get the most out of. And so you're going to get a lot of guys that want to play for him. And, and that's something the Texans have struggled for for the last couple of years where you're going to have guys that want to come here now and that it's going to be easier to kind of fill in the pieces that you don't have because of what he brings to the table and what you already have on the roster. Yeah, I mean, the guys that are going to come here, I think, are veterans who are just looking to, like, be on a winning team. Like, I don't think they're going to be, like, top free agents that are trying to cash in. So it's like, I, what's that? I think you're going to have some young, younger guys that want to want to get on board now and feel like that they can help this team to go forward. If they're now, going to pay them comparable money. Yeah, but I think that in the past, there were guys that were going to say, if it's comparable money, I'm going somewhere else. That now, if it's comparable money, they're going to go, I want to be a part of that because that team looks like it's going to be around for a while. Yeah, they're just going to have to pay them, though. They're still going to have to pony up. And a lot of, there's usually not a lot of great free agents in free agency. Like I, I think that like that line of thinking is more about the guys who are in the twilight of their career that are playing. Like It'd be J.J. Watt going to Arizona. Like those type of players. They've already gotten paid huge money. 
you're still going to have to pay them quite a bit, but they want to be on a winning team. Like 26 year olds that enter a free agency, like they're going to they're going to get paid. Like they're going to go make the most money they can possibly make, and I don't fault them for that. No, but I think that you can still find. I think their their talent evaluation two factors into this too. Look what look what they found in Perryman. Look what they found when they got Stevie Nelson. These these are guys that in the past were going to be tough to get to convinced to even come here. But you didn't like to your point. You weren't. You didn't know what they had left in the tank and what you're going to get out of them. But the way they evaluated the guys and, and identified the guys they were going to go after, and then to have the guys that still had it in the tank that bought into the system that are playing the way they're playing right now, you believe that yeah, for the for the for the top end free agents, you absolutely still are going to have to pay. But it's still winning the battle within the battle in a lot of ways. That I think the Texans would have lost. Every single time previously. Eric, the driver, I think sums it up pretty good. Texans just don't have to pay the bad team tax anymore, but they still probably won't get the top free agents without winning some more. Um, are winning? They won't get the top free agents without some more winning. So they need more wins before they can, I guess, get themselves into that conversation. Uh, and, and money. Like, money money helps. One seven one five Texans are building a dynasty. These are a couple of good questions. Key from L.A., the past five years, who are the powerhouses in the NFL? Three two two seven. who would you guys consider a powerhouse? Those are good questions because now it sets you the bar. Like, if Albert Breer is saying the Texans are building a powerhouse, let's define powerhouse to see if we think the Texans can achieve that powerhouse status. Kansas City would be the first one that comes to mind. Like, Kansas City, to me, would be the, the biggest powerhouse in the last five years in the NFL. And it might be it. I, I think if you're going to be a powerhouse, you're going to be one of the top four teams in the league pretty consistently. I think that when you look at Cincinnati, injury is the only reason why you're not talking about a team that looks like that it could be a powerhouse for a, a five-year span. Because they got Burrow and they got Chase and they got the right elements and they look like in big games they could step up. See, I would call them a powerhouse in the last three. Like if you go five years out, that was before Burrow where they were winning four games. But I'm saying minus the injury, I think they still got two in them. So the next two years in front of this, but he said last five years. So okay. Bengals, maybe that's nitpicky. Like maybe the Bengals in this five year window starting three years ago, they could be. Uh, maybe so. Like Kansas City, I would have in that mix. No brainer. I would have teams that are basically. I'm not going to say shoe-ins, but you expect them to be in the conference championship every year. Like, maybe Buffalo is even I was going to say, is it fair to say, if, I don't know if you can go five years back, but I, I think it's fair to say over the last three years, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo are three teams you're going to pencil in are going to be in the Final Four in the AFC. Say that again? Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo. For the last three years, for sure, those would be powerhouses because yeah. every single year they got a chance to win it all. Yeah, I would put them up there. And then you know, San Francisco. San Francisco and Philadelphia. Philly's in that conversation in the, in the NFC. I don't yeah. think you can go four deep. Uh, maybe maybe it's or even maybe it's even like the, these teams you expect to be in a conference championship for a sustained period of time. Like or, Buff, Buffalo, you would expect to be. They fall short because their quarterback has tons of injuries I, or uh, turnovers. But like Mahomes, you would have in that mix. Burrow, you would have in that mix. San Francisco, you would have in that mix. And Philly, you would have in that yeah, mix. Yeah, I, I don't think Philly's in that mix. They've only been to one title, one conference title game with Jalen Hurts. Right, but he's only been the quarterback for what two? Yeah, but like so, the last time they went was in 2017, 2018 with Nick Foles. Uh-huh. So, so this like, goes back to like the expectation of what you think they're going to do in the next future yeah, years, like because, with, like with Cincy, like yeah. with Cincy. But like Cincy's been to two AFC title games in the last two years. Uh-huh. So Philadelphia's done one, and I think right now we would all say we don't believe that they're going to get there considering they're not even in first place in their division. Is is it fair to take conferences out of it then and say the top five in the NFL? If you're going to be top five in the NFL for the last three years or if you go last or or in the in a five-year window, 
That's a powerhouse. I think it's I think it's a relative term. I, I think it's kind of what you think of them, uh, to be honest. Because really, my answer would be Kansas City is the only one. They're the biggest powerhouse. Yeah. But is it just like a team that you expect to be in the playoffs every single year? Is that a powerhouse? Is it a team where it's going to go, they're going to win 10 games every year, and they're going to be in the postseason every year? Is that a powerhouse? Like the Colts with Manning. Was that a power? They won one Super Bowl. That was a powerhouse. But they were in the AFC title yeah, game. But, yeah, I think everybody believed they had a chance to win it every year. You, consistently. Consistently. So, like, I think it's a kind of a varying thing. It's almost the expectation rather than the reality, I think. Yeah, so, like, for me, then it would be, like, expectation that they're, they're going to be good enough to go Super Bowl. How about this? If someone locally or nationally doesn't, you don't scoff when they put them in the Super Bowl. So, like, you're not like, what are you talking about? So, you have Kansas City, you have Cincinnati, you have San Francisco, Philadelphia would be the top four. I think anyone else before the season, we were like, well, that's just the outside the box I think people pick. would have put Buffalo in there. Yeah, maybe Buffalo is in there. And the way they're playing right now, like, they look like they belong in. So, I think that's probably the top five. Like, does Texans get to that category? Like, you feel that if, strong? If, Stroud, if, if Stroud's as good as the CJ, as the Case Keenum uh, quote yeah. where Case Keenum says that C.J. Stroud uh, has a chance to be one of the all-time best. If Keenum's right in that C.J. Stroud's one of the all-time best and that he thinks that he's a generational talent. So if Keenum is right about Stroud, that he's going to be one of the best all-time, that he's a generational talent, the answer is yes. Yeah, for sure. The answer is yes because he is Mahomes. He is the equivalent. He is a parallel. He's well, right there on the same yeah. level and the same tier as a Mahomes. So if he's that guy... Then yes, the Texans will be a powerhouse. Yeah, because you you can't predict injury, and, and but you can. But if you have the feeling every single year they got a shot, like they could win it, then that's a powerhouse. Because the NFL injuries are are so unpredictable and so devastating to so many teams, and we saw Cincinnati. But no one thinks Cincinnati's just going to fall off the planet. They had a bad year because of the injuries, but everybody believes Cincinnati's going to be back next year. And even then, Cincinnati's yeah. in the playoffs right now. Like I think it kind of and that's adds, crazy too, yeah. Like they're eight and six, they have an easy schedule. I think the Bengals are going to make the playoffs this year without Joe Burrow. So like, the, and that kind of adds to what is the legacy that the Bengals are building at the moment. You have to give credit to Zach Taylor for that, uh, and and the Browning guy too. Uh, Texans powerhouse stream team Apple on the Twitter absolutely already a playoff contender in year one under D'Amico. Plenty of injuries to six really good players that are currently missing: Stroud, Anderson, Nico, Dell, Titus. He says stud right tackle, not left guard. Cashman, big cap space, plus more draft assets. Powerhouse in 2024 through 29. Super Bowls, IMO, which is cool to say. Uh, Angel on uh, the Twitter, they're respectable now. Maybe make the playoffs next year. Win a playoff game after that. 2026 should be the realistic target. I I feel like that's being a little bit too conservative. I I think that you're trying to win a Super Bowl next year. Like If Nick Casario goes into this offseason this year with all this cap space and his mindset isn't to like, do whatever is possible to put his team in a position to win the Super Bowl next year, I don't think he's doing his job. Well, I think as a general manager, you want you set out every year that you have, especially when you, when you see what kind of combination of young talent, what your roster has shaped up already to be. Every year, from middle of the pack on up, your general manager should have, I don't know how realistic they are, but you should have Super Bowl aspirations. I think, but, it's, I, I think it's pretty small, actually. Like I don't think many general managers can go in the offseason with, we're going to aggressively attack a Super Bowl roster. Because if you already have a roster that's very good, you don't have the cap space that, to make it possible. And a lot of teams are just not good enough to be in this conversation. Market matters, too. Like when you start not talking in the NFL. I, I think that when you start talking about, there's, there's variables, right? 
Like you have to have ownership and you have to have a, a, a situation where it's not just the profit sharing things. You got to realize you have to have the cash space. You have to have the draft picks and you have to have an ownership that's willing to back you and say, go for it. Uh, so that they, they'll take the, the lumps if it doesn't happen, but they'll support you 100% if it does. And then you go attack, attack, attack. I think there are some franchises that just aren't ever going to be willing to completely take the, the, the restraints off and go 100% at it. So you're limited as a general manager. You might have, you might see it if the ownership doesn't and there's not a, a balance. You're never going to get there. Yeah, most NFL teams, though, operate right around the cap. Like, you don't see a whole lot of Tampa Bay Rays where, like, we're not going to use much of the payroll or Kansas City or Pittsburgh or Oakland. Like, most NFL teams, whenever you're winning, you're right around the cap. Yeah, but at the same time, there's also plenty of teams that aren't willing to get that close. The Glazers were notoriously cheap until Brady got there. The Bucks were a team that they might win the division. But they were like the, 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 the Cleveland franchise in baseball where they were like, yeah, this is great. See, I think the cheapness in owners in the NFL comes with all the stuff off the roster. Like, they're all going to spend on the roster. To me, it's more what does the locker room look like? What do your training grounds look like? What, are your, what does your stadium look like? Like the Chargers, right? The yeah. other notoriously cheap. The Bengals, the, the Bengals, the Bengals didn't have an indoor bubble for yeah. a long time. The, the Bengals would go to the University of Cincinnati yep. to use their indoor facility up until like two years ago. So Chargers, like, Cardinals. The Chargers, Chargers make their players pay for their food. Really? Oh. And you remember that last year ESPN did this like big expose. Oh, about, I do remember that. Like grading, like the players graded out like all the amenities and stadiums. What was the overall value yeah. of the entire franchise? Yeah, and the Cardinals players said they have to pay for their own lunches. That's that's unacceptable. That's, it's all, that's it's incredible. That's it's like D three I mean. football. Like, like cheap owners do that. Cheap owners don't fire a coach because they have an extra two years on their salary. Uh, that's where you see cheapness from ownership in the NFL. Usually, it's not on the payroll because you have to have like I think there's even a salary floor in the NFL. So. Everybody, everything has to be bundled up and tight when it comes from a payroll aspect, but they might be cheap in who they hire as a coach, uh, sports nutrition like Arizona, training grounds, things like that. But usually the payroll is the, the salary cap, salary cap, the player payroll, player payroll. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. What do you stand on this, Houston? Uh, the Texans building a powerhouse. Why or why not? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. My colleague, O'Cooks, U of H class of 1990, he's been protecting the interests of business for ne- for nearly 25 years. He used to protect Heisman Trophy winners. Now he protects your business. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, uh, benefits administration, and payroll. HRP will also work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. If you need a little help, a lot of help, anything in between, HRP will create a plan for what you and your business needs. Also, their customer service second to none. You'll never talk to a stranger on the other side of the line. You'll be calling someone that's familiar with you, familiar with your company. I can speak to that customer service. Anytime I have a question, I always get a quick response that's easy to understand. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources and eliminate your HR burden so you can get back to growing your business. Call them now, 281-880-6525 and let HRP customize a plan for you, 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. Real solutions for real people. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. We're going to be a decoy tomorrow in Spring Branch. Swing on by. Say hello to the Bees. Chewy, I expect you to be there. Chewy was disappointed he didn't see us last week at the decoy. Well, Chewy, now you know. Tomorrow we'll be at the decoy. We hope to see you there. 
Uh, 713-780-ESPN. He's blank on Branham. Albert Breer said the Texans are building a powerhouse. This was after Case Keenum told the CBS sideline reporter that top to bottom, best team, we feel like we're one of the best teams in the NFL. Breer got Keenum on the phone. Keenum talked incredibly well and glowing things about C.J. Stroud and Albert Breer enough to write an article saying the Texans are building a powerhouse. Where do you stand on this? 713-780-ESPN. Lamont, I like his uh, analogy here. I don't know about this powerhouse jazz right now. The Texans have contractors on the property surveying and possibly laying some foundation. This team is not in the framing stages of a house yet, but I like the directions. It's a good analogy. I, I like the breakdown there from Lamont, um, but I think that when you look at it, it's I think some of the some of the actual structure has gone up because of the fact that when you think about the foundational pieces or you think about building the foundation, that's normally the trenches, that's the O line, D line, that's the kind of the mainstays. But the one thing that you, when it starts to build from the ground up, that's when you got a quarterback, when you've got a game changing receiver, when you've got the potential of a couple of guys on defense that could be dominant at their position. Now I think the framework has already started. The, the studs are starting to go up. I think the structure is starting to be there. I don't think you're as low to the ground as Lamont puts it in that in that analogy. To, to me, this is this is foresight. Like This is a bold take. This is picking a team that you want to like buy stock in. And this is why earlier I related it to the Astros when Ben Ryder did it with Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated. Like He liked what he saw from an organizational standpoint. He liked some of the young prospects. He liked the direction they were going. And he said that this is going to be a future World Series championship team. And he happened to predict the exact year, which is uh, incredibly lucky. I think Albert Breer is doing the same thing here. He's seen enough of C.J. Stroud, who's still going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year, who looks like the best quarterback in this draft that he is to this point, and he's saying this is going to be the next great quarterback in the NFL. I'm going to pick this team as my team on the rise, which I think is fair. I mean, because they have Stroud, because you have a lot of the young pieces as well, and this is going to be the team that he focuses in on uh, as the team that's up and coming in the NFL. Look, I think that when you're in the conversation, when someone's bold enough to say this, but the other teams, whether they're bold enough to go that far or not, are willing to be able to see the progress on the field, the youth and talent of the roster, and say, this is a team to be reckoned with in the future, whether it's a powerhouse or not, it's going to be a playoff team. I think that's when you know that you finally kind of reestablished yourself as a franchise, which was something that we didn't know if they were going to be able to do and when, if they were, when, because of all the missteps and because of how bad it's looked for the last two to three years. So when you look at it from that perspective, whether it's a powerhouse next year or not, I think that powerhouse window is still coming for this team because of what we've already seen. Total Arlington said frame is up. Stroud and Anderson Riss says we trust in GM to coach, to quarterback. Then says Nick, uh, Nick Casario, uh, GM of the year. Alex with a good point. Like Who's under contract next season in the defensive line besides Anderson? Uh, I think Collins is, but Rankins is a free agent, and Grenard obviously is a free agent as well. Uh, three two two seven sounds like powerhouse is just the teams with the top quarterbacks. It's kind of the way it works in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, though. look, it's a quarterback-driven league and a pass-happy league, so it's pretty easy to say that, yeah, that's a formula, and there's plenty of guys that, if, but depending on coach, we, you know, I think it's the Jimmy Johnson quote I brought up a few weeks ago, but when you really are there, he said you got to have a coach, a quarterback, and a defense. Well, you might not have the defense solidified yet, but you got the coach and the quarterback, and so everything else is it's a lot easier to fall into place at that point, and then you can become highly competitive for a long period of time, and that's where they're sitting currently. I really don't even think you need the defense 
as much anymore. I think it needs to be respectable. Yeah. I think it needs to be top half of the league, but I don't think it needs to be top five in the yeah, league. It doesn't have to be like the 85 Bears or the Ravens back in the day, but you're right. It, it has to be top 10-ish, top 15-ish. you got to get stops. you got to have some players that can make an impact, whether the defense as a whole does or not. I'd rather have the fifth-best offense in the 15th-ranked defense than the fifth-ranked defense in the 15th-ranked offense. That's fair. Where, where, were you, where do you stand on that? Uh, I, I totally believe that that's the case because it is an offensive-driven league. I mean, but you still got to get stops. So if you're in the middle of the pack on defense and, and you're capable of getting stops when you need to or you got a coordinator that uses the pieces the right way, you can get by with a 15th-rated defense. But if you got a top-five-rated offense, you can play with anybody any week in the league. And it might be like... Um... The D'Amico is kind of one of those bend but don't break guys. Hey, mm-hmm. you, you can if you want to put together a twelve play drive and kick a field goal, I'll let you put together a twelve play drive and kick a field goal. It might be one of those things where you're fifteenth ranked defensively, but you're twelfth in scoring average, and maybe you get a couple of turnovers here and there, where it's almost opportunistic bend but don't break style, and then you pair that with a really good offense. It's like the recipe to win nowadays. It is. And then you look at kind of the Rams were the extreme because the Rams just all of a sudden then just started mortgaging the farm over and over again and bringing any possible big-name trade and free agent they could. And then they totally went for it. But you can be in a position position where you're a top-15 defense, but all of a sudden an opportunity presents itself where you can add an extra lockdown corner or an impact player on defense. And because you're so good offensively, that's the difference between – bowing out at the conference championship level or close to it and maybe putting you over the top. And then, you know, now you're really starting to talk about the window really being like wide, wide open for the next several years, depending on how long you get the guy you got. Speaking of uh, the Rams, Keith from L.A., are the Rams a powerhouse? I would say yes, actually, on the Rams. Like, it might not be the five-year window, but if you go from 17, they won 11 games in 17, which was McVay's first year, lost in the wild card. Lost in the Super Bowl the next year, missed the playoffs, but won nine games. Won, won the or actually finished second in the division, but won ten games. Then they won the Super Bowl. Now last year they took a step back, but this year they're kind of a rebuilt on the fly. Seven and seven, maybe a dark horse for the playoffs. They I, got, would, I would say they're powerhouse. They have two Super Bowl wins. No, they they lost the Super oh, Bowl. Oh, lost Super Bowl and then won. They've one. been to two and they've won one. See, that's a pretty good window. I would say that's I would say that's powerhousey. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about the Rams is like, yes, they disregarded their draft picks. But like they have the second youngest roster in the NFL. They hit on their draft picks too. Like, and that's what I think Puka was an unbelievable. Is, but also like the two Kyron rookies, Williams. Yep. Kyron Williams, fifth rounder. But they have two rookie linebackers. I think that were drafted in the third round that are both top five in rookie sacks. Yeah, like talk about a draft class without having first round. I don't think they had a first rounder. This no, year. they keep finding like they know how to draft, find the steals, and like now they have first round picks back second round picks that they can start trading again if they want to but that is a they're a really well-run organization i think it's fair to put them in that category yeah i would put them in that category as long too. as stafford's the quarterback but they don't and they don't fit in that top 5 in the nfl category toward the powerhouses a team that you would think has a chance to win it not anymore probably not anymore yeah probably but, not but they were for that window of time though for that if you're just going 5 year windows of in the past yeah, is the window now shut, or is it now? Because it sounds like... I think it's reopening. I think it looks like they're rebuilding, but they're rebuilding on the fly because of their talent of evaluation that they can they can fast-forward the rebuild and be pretty competitive again. I think from 17 through 21, they would have to be a powerhouse. Oh, for sure. Four, like They had five straight winning seasons. They went and, to two Super Bowls. They won one Super Bowl. Now, that five-year window might be over, but it seems like it's trending back up again. And Yeah, because... Like, 
but it, the, like how they like how they won though they 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 ended up trading for Stafford mm-hmm. like they didn't go the draft route for a quarterback so maybe it's a it's one of those builds again where they build a really good roster and then you're trading for that quarterback in three years because I don't think Stafford's long for the NFL anymore no and but I, I think that if you find a quarterback with the way that you're building the rest of the roster you're you're going to be able to do the other things that they've been very good about doing too is finding the right guy that's available, that's a top-notch player, to fill that last void, do what you need to do. The quarterback's going to be the challenge because Stafford's not going to be around that long to be to, to kind of reap the benefits of the rebuild. My only counterpoint is he took off to a Super Bowl in an 11-1 season McVay did. Oh, he's so a hell of a coach. It, it's like I almost wonder if he could be quarterback-proof, kind of like the 49ers are. We're, I think both of those quarterbacks are pretty good, though. I do, too. I really am hoping the Rams get the sixth seed in the playoffs. Like, Stafford's really I need, good. I Josh need, Goff's good quarterback. Yeah, I need Matt Stafford versus the Lions in the first round of the playoffs. Ooh, that'd be big. That'd that be would cool. be. I just want to watch Brendan Riley's brain break. <laughs> oh, boy. They would melt. Uh, this guy asked, are the killer bees a powerhouse? Yeah, of course we are. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. 713-780-3776. Uh, maybe the Astros surprise. Maybe they have a few moves up their sleeves. But what do you think of the Astros offseason to date? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. He's Blake. I'm Branham. We are the Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Um, we'll be at uh, the decoy tomorrow in Spring Branch. Come on by. Uh, we'll also be Friday. We'll be at Nick's Place. It's back. ESPN uh, listener Christmas party. Join us this Friday for our annual Christmas party shenanigans. Party will be all day at Nick's Place, starting with John and Lance all the way through the Killer Bees. You won't want to miss any of it. Come early. Stay late. Wear red. And have a blast. Have a blast. There's going to be tons. There's always. There's tons of games and giveaways and reminiscing. It, it's always a great time at Nick. I'm yeah. sad I'm going to miss it. Joe, are you doing it for me? Who's working Friday? I am. Friday? Are you I am. From uh, I'm trying to figure out like what we can give away, but I fully intend on at one point. I don't know if it's going to be on air or just during a break, doing a full-on What Up H-Town competition. That's a good idea. That Mr. Blank will be the sole judge. That's a great idea. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we talked about it. That's cool. Instead of doing, like, Christmas carolers. Yeah, just What Up H-Towners. Christmas What Up H-Towners. Yeah. Is it going to be on air? I don't know yet. Maybe. Just, like, a lineup of... That would be funny. Or maybe... Just, like, one after another. Maybe you do the competition to win the right to be able to do it on air. Oh, so we do it before the show. Right, or during a break, a couple breaks, and then, at, but before the show ends, yeah. we we get one person the opportunity. Let's I see. like where your mind's at, but I think it'd be funny if you had ten people in a row that did it. Because, like, the worse they are, the better it is for the well. We the could listeners. Just have, we could do one every break, coming back from every oh, break, have a different. I like that. To do it. That's a good idea too. So we could get. So we'd have twelve. Yeah, twelve people. So could people do it. and people could vote. They could they could actually be the judge. Yeah, wow. man, if people have to stick around, so you might have to be the sole judge. Oh, man, okay, I was uh, I was I was bummed out that I was going to miss this show. Now I'm thrilled. I'll be missing this show. That's a lot of what up H towns. Hey, it's how a you lot. doing? That's a, I mean, I can handle one a day. I don't know more than do that. one a day. I can handle one a day. I've been handling one a day for two and a half years. I know, but I judge you're not. There are you. There's times that you're like. Mm. Like today, because today wasn't a good one. And your facial expressions tell it all. 
Yeah, I do wear my my feelings on my face. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRMP listener line. Uh, maybe the Astros make a surprise move. Maybe they sign another middle reliever. Maybe they trade from Rivaldez. I don't think that they do. But what do you think of the Astros offseason to date? Well, whether it was intentional or not, I don't think it's been an offseason. It's been an if season that you used last week. And right now it sucks. It's been an absolute disappointment to this point. Now, I know you weren't going to be in on Otani and you weren't going to trade you know, for any big names like Juan Soto, but you expected them to be to have the mentality of being aggressive, to have conversations, to not have the rumors be out there that you're one of those teams that aren't interested in going and attacking some of the names or some of the players that might be able to help you, that it was more centered around what you're not going to do, like sign Alex Bregman, like you know do the kind of things to make this team better coming off a great run again last season. And so that's why I think it's been absolutely a disappointment. It sucked. It's been, it's been hard to swallow because of all the different things that you've seen throughout this run to where you expect, hey, they're not that far off. They could do this and be right back there again if they just do this and that. And instead, it looks like you're going to just try and build within, and you're going to let your you know the three guys in your bullpen all walk, and you're going to try and hope and cross your fingers that some guys come to the forefront that can be factors, and that sucks. Yeah, I'm um like I understand the money part, and like I'm not calling Jim Crane cheap. Like a lot of people think uh, whenever I get critical of the Astros offseason that I'm calling Crane cheap. I don't think Jim Crane's cheap. Uh, if you're spending right at the competitive balance tax, you're not a cheap owner. And Jim Crane, you know, he spins in the developmental, you know, part of the game. He spins on his minor league teams. He he spends money. He's willing to spend. Now, I don't think he wants to be taxed. He's never paid the competitive balance tax. It's been over one year, but they got waived that year because they were in the COVID year. So they, he didn't have to pay a tax on it at all. Now, when the offseason started... I wanted a couple of middle relievers. I wanted a backup catcher, and I wanted an outfield bat. They've signed one of those things. Mm -hmm. I would settle for one reliever now and an outfield bat. But I don't think it's going to come. I don't think we're going to see. I think they might sign a reliever, like wait out the market, try to find one that's affordable that they like, but that's affordable. But I don't think they're going to sign a bat. I think the Jake Myers quotes uh, made that uh, pretty obvious. I think that you could have spent a little bit more money, not calling Jim Crane cheap, but maybe spend $10 more million on this payroll. And if you have to trade at Jose Arquiti to kind of eat into that $10 million savings a little bit, then maybe trade Jose Arquiti for a middle reliever. Uh, I would say it's pretty anticlimactic. Like, was pretty excited about the offseason. How can the Astros help this team? How can they add to this team that was one home game shy of making the World Series? And we just haven't seen a very aggressive team. They've, they've made one move, and it's for a backup. Yeah, the, the fact is is that the offseason isn't over yet. So there is still an opportunity for you to try and capitalize and do some things to make this team better. But we haven't seen it, and every indication is we're not going to. And that's why it's so disappointing and it sucks for me because of the three relievers, I think Naris is the one guy that I would really, really like to have back. And, and because of the, the deal that Jim Crane made with Montero a year ago, you're, you're not gonna, that's not realistic. I don't think it's even close to being something that you should consider. So can you find another guy instead of having to just solely say Montero's going to replace Naris or be one of the guys in consideration to replace Naris? Because I don't think you're better for that. I don't think you're better if you don't at least explore between a trade and, like you said, opening the checkbook at least a little to try and improve and find another bat for the outfield slash DH or another bat that can be useful within this lineup that can give you a better chance 
offensively. There's ways with a trade you could do that. If you could trade some of the guys that you have, you have a, a surplus of starting pitching. You have some guys that are, are trade up bull so that you could still be better. And I just don't feel confident that what it's not even a Dana Brown thing. I just feel organizationally they don't have that same kind of aggressiveness that they had when they went out and they got the the Grinkies and the Verlanders and made the moves to like continue to be a, a force. I think they're kind of content right now, and they're hoping that another year, and if they're healthy, they can do what they did last year again, and I think that might be too too flippant. 3062, thought there could have been a couple moves made, but at least Bagwell didn't sign three terrible contracts. Fair point. Uh, 7308, if the Astros offseason happens in the woods as no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? That's a good way to sum up uh, the Astros uh, offseason to date. Um Aaron Wilson has a new tweet out in regards to one Deshaun Watson. In fact, it's going viral in our Twitch chat right now. Uh, Texans signing Tim Bull in a practice squad one day after they didn't get Nathan Rourke on on a waiver claim. C.J. Stroud remains in the NFL concussion protocol, still has symptoms per sources. says Texans are preparing Case Keenum to start second game in a row with Stroud not set to return this week. And Texans Cap on Twitter does really good stuff for the Texans Cap. He just point he just posted the latest Vegas line. Texans opened up as a two and a half point favorite against Cleveland when the line came out two days ago. It is flipped. The Browns are now two and a half point favorites. So that is a five point delta. It has went from two and a half fa- two and a half point favorites for the Texans to two and a half point underdogs for the Texans. Case Keenum starting Sunday. No guys. doubt about it. Yeah, he's not. Case Keenum CJ's starting Sunday. Nope. But that that tells you all you need to know. And Vegas knows more than most. Uh, if you needed any kind of further verification and validation that he ain't playing, he ain't playing. And you're going to have an uphill climb because the best thing you got going for is you're at home. And, and Case, I think, still gives you a better chance to win than Davis Mills. But you're playing against, as you've mentioned, a really, really, really talented defensive unit that's playing extremely well. And so it ain't going to be like the Titans. You're not going to be able to get away with the mistakes that that Case made. Um, And and everybody's going to have to bring their A game. And you're going to have to protect a whole hell of a lot better. Uh, And and so it's going to be a huge uphill climb. And that's, that's a bit scary. But the good news is, is that you gained ground last week with the win that you got. To where you're actually tied for the division, but it, you're gonna you're gonna I think you're gonna be looking for help after this week from other teams. Uh, I mean, you still have to get the ten wins. Like you can lose this week, win the next two, and you're in. Right, so, I'll come up for the division. I mean, I'd like to see them win the division or have a chance to win the division. You're gonna need help because uh, I, I think it's gonna be an uphill climb. Yeah, win the division. It's a little bit more daunting if you don't get to the uh, the eleven win out thing. Um, well, I mean, we pointed to the clues earlier. The fact that they claimed the Rourke guy, well, they're looking for another quarterback. Um, the fact that Aaron Wilson reported that Shroud still has symptoms, like it's it's different to clear the protocol right. versus have symptoms. Like you can you cannot have symptoms and then still have to pass the concussion protocol. You cannot have symptoms in day two, but you're not passing the concussion protocol until day eight. So the fact that he still had symptoms was something that caught our attention. Uh, the, the, we just mentioned the waiver claim, then the sign of O'Doyle rules. Now the line movement? Like, I would put the odds of C.J. Stroud playing on Sunday at 10%. Yeah. And that's high, I think. uh, I was going to say 15 to 20, but that's at the the high level, 15 to 20%. And and I think that, you know, you've you've been told all that you need to know to realize that you should be planning on another week of Case Keenum, and that's just the way it is. And it's a much taller task. 
than beating the Titans in Tennessee, no matter what uniforms they were wearing, than taking a team that's playing, that's in a playoff position, that's got a defense playing as well as Cleveland's defense is playing, and saying that you, you're going to go in there and beat that team. No, you're going to have to play your best football to have a chance to beat that team. Nine six two three. Did y'all see Mills one down that he played? Uh, that's not fair to Davis Mills. Like that's a hell mary where your receivers need to get sixty yards down the field. It takes forever for receivers to get sixty yards down the field, even if they're very fast. The fastest it's going to get them is like five five and a half seconds. Davis Mills has to buy time for five five and a half seconds. It's not going to work out well. You can't put that on Davis Mills, Texer. The, the only reason why he came in the game was because he has a stronger arm to get it there and at least have a chance to 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 make some kind of hail mary play is to have Davis Mills throw it up there instead of Case Keenum. I'm glad you just covered up the football. Didn't lose it. But, yeah, you can't put that on Davis Mills. Mm-mm. It's a Hail Mary, yeah, last grass, last gas play that you're hoping can work out, get a prayer. You can't put that on Mills. All right, 713-780-3776. What are your nominations for our car wreck of the day? What do you nominate? What should win our car wreck of the day today? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I've been telling you for a while now, General Ben is the best. It's fantastic. It all starts with the finest ingredients, classic time-honored distilling methods. General Ben uses their innovative process that removes harshness and heat that's found in most spirits. The result, unparalleled smoothness and an enjoyable drinking experience. You get all the flavor, none of the burn. General Ben takes away the bite. They take away the burn. It allows for an enjoyable drinking experience. You'll love what's not in General Ben including fusel oils. Fusel is the German word for bad liquor. Bad liquor is not in Gentle Bin. Never has been, never will be. Gentle Bin offers vodka, gin, straight bourbon whiskey, cast-strength bourbon. All are fantastic. All are my rotation. What's in yours? The next time you head to dinner, go to your favorite bar, ask for Gentle Bin, look for Gentle Bin at the liquor store, pick up the bottle. Today, head to the Gentle Bin Taste Room. Head online, GentleBin.com as well. This is the Car Wreck of the Day brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. Oh, what are y'all nominating for our Car Wreck of the Day? 713-780-3776. Blankers, what are you nominating? You're not going to go with this one, but I'm going to nominate it because it is absolutely ridiculous that the Los Angeles Lakers hung a banner for winning the <laughs> IST. NIT. It's the IST. It's in-season tournament. NBA, in-season's one word, tournament. That's NIT. I'm going but by what they referred to it as. Well, they're idiots because it's an IT. If it's the, going but it's that. their tournament. But it's in-season. That's one word. You can't use double-letter one-word Regar- Used already. Regardless, the fact that it's one thing that you get medals and a trophy, that's cool. Fine. If, if, if that's your thing, go for it. But the fact that you're acting like a banner ceremony was necessary and you're hanging a banner in your building, and it's not like some fly-by-night franchise that really hasn't had a lot of winning. You're the damn Lakers. You've got little stars on the floor for how many championships you've won and all the things you've accomplished. Have you really stooped to the level where you think you got to hang a freaking banner for an in-season tournament? I love it. It's terrible. I love the fact that they hung a banner. Like, right. You have to make this matter. You have to make the NIT matter. So if you make the NIT matter, you hang a banner. They up did for it. that. You don't hang a banner. That's over the top. No, this is going to be this is going to be the second biggest trophy the NBA has each year. This is going to be the second biggest award that a team can get in the in a single season in the NBA. So cool. it's, it's absolutely tournament. It's banner. The Lakers worthy. don't do that. Whenever you're in your in Europe and you have all these secondary tournaments, you hang up those banners. They even hang up banners in like European soccer. I don't even know if they Texans do. hanging up AFC South banners all the time. I mean, everybody does when, that. But, but I'm talking about when you're a true champion, 
you can even that is better than an in uh, in season tournament win. Is it? I think so. Is a nine and seven winning division your division title. and getting to the playoffs is far better than winning the in season tournament. Ask the players. I think they'd rather have five hundred grand than be one and done from the postseason. Still don't hang a banner and have a celebration. They did though. There's been, it's every single time that an NIT has been won in the NBA, they've hung a banner and had a celebration See about it. See what you did there. It's still stupid. They're always going to. I'm going to nominate Mike Bramble. Uh, Mike Brable. Yesterday, he was wearing the skinny jeans and stuff. I was watching the film of this game yesterday. There was a first down in the first half. Will Levis ran for a first down. And Mike Brable's on the sideline, and he did the bow and arrow Ooh. celebration. I didn't catch it I in saw game. It. saw it live. Yep. This is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen an NFL head coach do. I've seen a lot of NFL head coaches do bizarre things. Mike Vrabel, after his quarterback barely ran for a first down, I don't think they scored a point after this, maybe a field goal, he did the bow and arrow celebration. An NBA head coach. I very much missed that. NBA head coach did a bow and arrow celebration after a first down on his side of the field. Because I remember thinking, I wonder how his team feels about that. It It was so weird. Yeah. So weird. Joseph? Uh, I would like to nominate the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, who, uh, without Big Dom on the sidelines, can't get a victory. Who got far too much attention. But they haven't won a game since he got kicked off the sidelines. But the fact that they had the camera on him in the suite was a bit much. But you're right. The The Eagles deserve a car wreck because it's not just been of the day. It's been of the last several days and the last several weeks. The Eagles, for as good as they, they have been most of the season, they've been awful the last couple of weeks. And you're finding out... Like, this team might be a pretender instead of a contender. Yep. The, um, who was the dude that ran in? Did you see the guy on the sideline that ran into, was it A.J. Brown or was it, I think it was A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown came over to the sideline and kind of bumped into a staffer. Oh, and they got into it. I saw that. They they got face to face. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're saying, because I think one of the announcers said, let's see if the staffer's going to be on the sidelines next week. I thought the staffer kind of leaned into him. Oh, I, I definitely, after watching it a couple of times, I think the staffer was instigating. There's no doubt. And because of how the NFL feels, I think that dude, whoever he was, probably ain't going to be there next week. I nominate him. I nominate Seattle staffer for bumping into A.J. Brown. Maybe he's got an important sideline job, though. Maybe he's like the trainer. Or Maybe he's like a team doctor. Did yeah. you know that those doctors yeah. travel? He didn't look to be like a doctor, though. Well, you get physical therapist, unless you're the, the Chargers or the Bengals or the Cardinals. I haven't seen many doctors with, like, full... Overgrown beards. Is that stereotypical of me? Yeah, because Dr. James Muntz, who's the internist for the Texans, has a full beard. You say he was an internist? Internal medicine. Oh. I, was, I didn't know what that word meant. Yeah, either. internal medicine. He's he their internal intern. medicine guy when guys get sick and whatever, was, like stuff like that. But he's and, doing his residency on the sidelines. Doc Muntz travels, and he's got a beard. Does he? Full beard? Yeah. All right, there you go. You get any more nominees? I saw someone on the text line nominated somebody. Oh, that's right. Somebody nominated Beard. Yeah. Car wreck of the day. Josh Beard. Big capital letters, two exclamation points. Dude, you talk for a living. Get to work. Nope, you don't need to drive. Take an Uber. That's a good point. Joe's not commenting. I don't agree. Joe's also got management. He's not in his title. He's not commenting. Joe doesn't like to. Joe doesn't like when people play through injury. I've noticed that. Joe, Joe, if somebody had a straight ankle, he wouldn't let him play for three weeks. That's not true. You tell people not whenever they have a little bit of a sore throat to stay home. They get bumped on the head, stay home. He can't see. He can't, can't talk. See. You don't need what do you to mean see. He can't see. He, he can't deal with the lights. He tweeted today. He can't deal with if the lights. If you light. can tweet, you can do it. You a had a dude on the same yeah. show that did a whole show in sunglasses multiple days. We can't. What we do is not very hard. Anybody can do what we do. Anybody. Anybody who's listening to us can do what we do. 
I'm about to stop filling hosting. People are going to keep accusing me of just doing this for airtime. You play hurt. Next time Beard's out, you're doing it, Joel. You, you play through a... Uh, you I'm play doing what? You and Connor That's next time idea. Beard's out. Oh, that's funny. What? <laughs> if I'm just going to do it to get myself airtime, then I'll, i got to have other people do it. So you're up next, buddy. Paulie used to do it. Nope. You're up next, Joel. I don't have to agree to do it. That's a good idea. That'd be fun. I would listen to that show. Connor and Blankers. Who wouldn't listen to that show? Would you listen to Connor and Blankers? 713-780-3776. Maybe that's what we'll do on the first. Backed by popular demand. Connor and Blankers. Somebody got nominated me. I called Brable an NBA coach just now, I guess. I didn't realize I did that. You did? I, guess. I didn't catch that. I didn't hey, catch I didn't. that either. I'll take, I'll take the lick. Must the, be late in the show. I didn't catch that one. Maybe I did. I don't know. Slip of the tongue, though. We all know that Brable is a lousy NFL a coach. I think we have to nominate. I'm trying to figure out who is exactly getting nominated. Is it the Seahawks? The NFL, their handling of this Drew Locke, Geno Smith thing? Because I saw that the gambling Twitter was very upset last night. That the Seahawks said Geno Smith was active and then not playing him because the lines were changing. But didn't he, wasn't he active? He was active. What's wrong with that? They made it seem like he was then going to start. Well, how, well, how did they make it seem like but they were going they to start? They did their job as long as he was active. I, I would say I thought he was starting based off the tweets that were being sent out. So I don't know by if that's who? On, by like Schefter. Yeah, but see that that's Adam. That's on Adam Schefter. See, that's saw, not on the yeah. Seahawks. I saw people saying that just because he's active doesn't mean he's going to start. That's right. Yeah, I don't know, but people are upset about. It, so you I don't can know. be the emergency quarterback. You don't have to tell them because that's gamesmanship. You don't have to tell the because the other team well, picks up. Well, you're on. not active if you're the emergency quarterback. Well, but I'm saying okay, you're the backup. You have to be the yeah, you have to be the backup unless you're activating all three. I'm going to nominate the Texans dev chart that they just released. They still have Case Keenum as quarterback number three. Well, he that's just, weak. He just started. Yeah, he won a game, and he's still listed and on their depth charts. Your coach basically already came out and said, "If CJ doesn't play, it'll be Case." Now their depth charts are always like ridiculous and silly, and you can never really believe them. But how do you not jump Case over Davis Mills on this depth chart? It's a no-brainer. Davis Mills is the backup. Davis Mills is the backup always. But why is he ahead of Case? Because Case is 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 the starter. Or he's the number three. Or he's the number three. <laughs> That's just the way it works, Jeremy. It has been that way. Davis Mills is the backup all all the time, no matter what. Until he's not? No, he still Case is the starter. Then he starts. I mean, when C.J. Stroud starts, who's going to be his backup? Davis. No, he's not. I, I want the to agree with The depth chart you. is going to tell you that it's Davis. The reality is it's going to be Case. Yeah, he's not going to. I don't know. Like, Would it shock you if they make Case inactive again as soon as he's yeah, back? What's more accurate, the Texans depth chart or Aaron Wilson? Aaron Wilson. Okay. Aaron Wilson hits more, more times than not. Aaron Wilson's yeah. right way more than he's wrong. But you you like to, you got that one stuck in your. Oh, he did say that. Yeah. I know he said that D'Amico Ryans was not going to be interested in the Texans job, which I think he was. I think he was interested. All right, what's winning? Here's the thing I don't agree with uh, you. All the time, Joel, but I agree today. I uh, also will vote for the Lakers. They are just Laker haters. Hanging that stupid banner. And NIT stupid. haters. I'd be fine if they hang the banner on the opposite side of their real banners also. One time, well, you are going to realize how it shouldn't have been hung at all. the NIT championship is to the NBA. It's going to be, it's the second biggest trophy you can win as a team. It's true. It's, it's critically important. Second and it's so far from one. the biggest one that it doesn't deserve a banner ceremony. Yeah, I mean, it's Celebrate your victories. Don't be Debbie Downer. All right, does it for us. Thanks to Joe George. That's our car wreck of the day. Come the see NIT, us tomorrow, decoy. The NIT banner. Yeah, come see us the decoy. 713-780-ESPN. Say bad things about Joe because he voted against me. All right, does it for us. Thanks to Joe for all his hard work. He's blank on Branham. Talk to you tomorrow from the decoy. See you, Houston.